beautiful. Well, good morning. Happy almost New Year. Last week I was listening to the radio and I heard uh, an advertisement and I heard the word uh, manna mentioned. So I thought that that's curious, so I looked it up, what it was all about. Kind of piqued my curiosity since the sermon this morning talks about manna. And as you might suspect, it had to do with food, uh, not bread, but pastry dough. And uh, this was some organization selling pies as a fundraiser. And they had good pies like uh, apple or pumpkin, and they had disgusting pies like sweet potato or pecan. (laughs) Well, our text this morning does talk about manna, and... uh, Our text is larger than what I'm going to be reading. It's uh, verses 22 through 58 of John 6 is the larger portion. And so what I'm going to be doing, I'll be reading just 48, verses 48 through 58, and then we're going to be kind of picking up manna here and there throughout the text. So I encourage you to uh, leave your Bibles open to John 6. And there are some Bibles under the seat in front of you, I would imagine. All right, so... I'm going to be reading John 6, beginning at verse 48. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever." This is the reading of the very word of the living God. The title of this morning's message is Manna for the New Year. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you hungering for the knowledge of you. Feed us with your word, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, when you think of bread, what springs to mind. Uh, Maybe you're one of those people that bread is a bad thing. I mean, it's got carbs, something to be avoided, and just, you know, kind of give me the hamburger without the bun, please. One of those. Some of you might think of different kinds of bread. You know, like you go out to breakfast and you're asked, uh, what do you want with your Western omelet? Uh, And you'll go, I think I'll go with rye today. You've got your favorite. But most of us, my guess, would just think of bread as a staple to life, like bread and water. Our Lord Jesus 
um, when he asks us to pray for our daily bread, and as he brings up bread here in this teaching, we want to think more of the long along the lines of bread as a basic staple of life for our nourishment. John chapter 6 begins with a a hungry multitude and Jesus feeding this vast multitude in part with two loaves of bread brought by a boy. And that miracle uh, will lead to Jesus teaching about bread, teaching about bread Said so there's this physical bread that fills your stomachs, but I want to teach you about another bread that will satisfy and nourish your souls. And that's when Jesus teaches that He is the bread of life. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean when Jesus calls Himself the bread of life? What does he want us to understand about him? Well, it has to do in part with uh, John's purpose statement for writing his gospel. John indicates his purpose statement for why he wrote his gospel. It's toward the end, next to the last chapter, verse 31, John chapter 20. John says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Now that purpose statement emphasizes two things, identification and invitation. And now when Jesus talks about Himself as the bread of life, we see those two threads brought to bear, identification and invitation. So those those are the two threads that we're going to trace and bring together in, as we look at the passage uh, this morning, identification and invitation. All right, let's begin with identification. Jesus is the bread of life given by the Father. Jesus is the bread of life given by the Father. Now, in this passage, Jesus identifies himself as the bread of life in three ways. First, Jesus is the true bread. Jesus is the true bread. Look at verse 31. Our fathers, the Jews said, ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread the true bread from heaven. All right, we read about manna here. Uh, you, you can learn more about manna by looking at Exodus chapter 16. And what manna was, what it was, it was a miraculous provision of God for his people in their, uh, their 40 years of wilderness wandering, having come out of the land of Egypt as they went through their wandering awaiting to enter the promised land. Manna means, what is it? The Hebrew, what is it? Uh, when, I, when I was a pastor of a local church, one of the things I enjoyed doing, this was a lot of fun, is uh, they had gone through the membership class, and then I'd be, be presenting them to the, uh, to the congregation. And what I would do is I would prepare a certificate 
for each new member. And on that certificate would be uh, their, their name, their first name, uh, what it meant, and then I would pick out a verse associated with that name and then give it to them, and you know, they'd hang on to that. Well, there was this one couple, the wife's name was Mana, and a version of Mana. And so I looked at her in the presentation of that certificate, and I said, uh, uh, Mana, uh, Mana do, do you know what your name means? And she goes, what is it? And I said, that's right. And I thought that was, I could not have set that up any better. And that's what ma- Mana means. It means, what is it? Mana was a, um, a, waif- a wafer-like substance that formed on the ground with a dew. The morning dew. You could boil it. You could grind it up. In fact, in Numbers 11, there's a cookbook, a virtual cookbook, for what you, how you can prepare manna. Manna started abruptly. It was after they had gone a little bit in their, in their wilderness wandering, after having come out of Egypt, having passed through the Red Sea, and it started abruptly. And it would appear six days a week. It wouldn't appear on the Sabbath, and there were certain rules related to that. But only six days a week, the Israelites would go out, and this manna would be available to gather. And then it stopped abruptly. When they had crossed the Jordan and had some of the produce of the promised land, no more manna. No more manna. I used to have a book in my... uh, pastoral library that uh, purported to show a picture of manna. And uh, this was one of these books that kind of gave you a naturalistic explanation for everything. But there was nothing natural about manna. It was a miracle. It was a provision of God. It was bread from heaven. But Jesus said, this manna, that was not the true bread. He, he said of himself, he was the true bread that gave life. This manna that your fathers knew, that you're talking about now to the Jews, he's saying that was just a preview. Now, I'm not a golfer, but I have watched golf, and I know when there's a a group of golfers, three or four, whatever it is, and they all uh, hit their approach shot on the green, and what they'll do to get out of one of those ways, they'll have a little marker, and they will, their ball will be laying right there, and they will remove the ball and put the marker down. Now, that marker is not the ball, is it? But it says that the ball is the real thing. It points to the ball. And that's what manna did for Jesus. The manna was not the true bread. Jesus was the true bread. All right, so that's what he says. He says he's describing himself as the bread of life, and he says uh, that he is the true bread. Secondly, Jesus is the living bread. The true bread, he's the living bread as well. Look at verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. All right, so how is Jesus the living bread? 
Is that just another way of him saying, I'm the bread of life, you know, bread of life, living bread? No, I think he's saying more when he describes himself as the living bread. You ever played 20 questions? We're not going to do it now. But the way it works with 20 questions is one of the things you want to figure out is what you're trying to guess, is this a person, a place, or a thing? Now, what is manna? Is manna a person, a place, or a thing? Thing. Right, thing. Now, what about Jesus? Is he a person, a place, or a thing? The person. Jesus describes himself as the living bread. And he does that in two ways in this passage. One, he is the living God. You know, this is uh, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This is one of, what is it, seven uh, I am statements in John's gospel where Jesus takes to himself this name, I am, that by which God revealed himself to Moses as the burning bush in the Old Testament. And I am is a name that communicates the aseity or the self-existence of God. Because if you remember, God revealed this name to Moses at the burning bush. And Moses was fascinated because here's this bush that's burning, but it wasn't being consumed, meaning that the fire was self-existent. The, the, the bush was not being used as fuel for the fire. And that's what God is. You know, we have derived existence. Only God has inherent existence. Only God is self-existence. And here's Jesus taking this name that was peculiar to God that the Jews would know about. And he says, I am. And in this case, he's describing himself as the living God. Also, he, the eternal Son of God, became a living being. Jesus eternally existent, took to himself true and full humanity. So Jesus, when he said, I am the living, when I'm, I'm this living bread, I'm the bread from heaven, the, the Jews took exception to that. Look at what they say in verse uh, 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? We see what Jesus is doing. He is saying that I am the living God who has come down as a human being. He's saying that I have origins beyond what? you are speaking beyond what you know. So what, when Jesus says, I'm living bread, what he's saying is this. He's saying, what you're talking about with manna is that is inanimate. And it's a thing. But I, Jesus says, am eternal God incarnate as a living being. That's just what we celebrated last week, Christmas Day. He came as the living bread. All right, so Jesus, as he describes himself as the bread of life, he's the true bread. 
He's the living bread. And then he says one other thing. He is, Jesus is the bread of God. The bread of God. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I have a missionary friend uh, to France. Uh, he's a missionary to France, Hugh, Hugh Wessel. We've supported him and Martine for many, many moons. And, uh, but Hugh has a, a way about him. And one of the things he does is he looks down his nose on American bread. He's saying, but you guys, that's not bread. You want, you want real bread? You go to France. When it, I've been tempted. I've never done it. I wanted to send him a nice supply of Wonder Bread some Christmas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he'd be amused, actually. But. but you see what Jesus is doing? He's making it clear that there are not many breads. There is one bread that has come down from heaven. One bread given by the Father. One bread that brings eternal life. That's a way of saying this, isn't it? That there is no other way of salvation. No other means of eternal life given by God for the life of the world. Earlier this month, I finished up a a Bible study at uh, the Westchester uh, YMCA. It was a great time. We had probably 17 regulars, and it was a packed room. And just, I love to draw people out and to see what they're thinking and see their understanding, because we all have something to bring, bring to the table as we discuss Scripture. Where there was this one woman who was kind of caught up with something, and she goes, but aren't there many ways to God? And I love that question. And so we talked about it. And I don't know what God's doing in her life, but she learned that, that the things that we have been studying in that Bible study pointed to Jesus and pointed to him alone as the way, the truth, and the life. Now John here says in verse 33, um, let me find it again. He says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, when John says world, John uses world a number of times. You know, God so loved the world, for example. The world means this. The world is the life's population divided into two groups, Jews and Gentiles. That's the world. And when, what, what's being said here by Jesus is that God has given him as the bread of life for the world, meaning this that there is not one way of salvation for Jews and another way of salvation for Gentiles. There is one way of salvation, Jew or Gentile, provided by God for eternal life. So Jesus, in calling himself the bread of life, that he is the, the true bread, that he is the living bread, that he is the bread of God, what he's doing is he is identifying himself. And John is identifying him for us. That this Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, given for the life of the world. All right, that is identification. What about invitation? 
The identification is that Jesus is the bread of life given by the Father. Invitation. We have the life that Jesus gives, the life bound up in him through faith in him. We have the life Jesus gives through faith in him. All right, so the the first thing nailed down is that Jesus, Jesus alone is the bread of life, the one waited for throughout history. But the question is this, how do we partake of this bread of life? There's bread. How do we partake? Well, Jesus tells us. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. All right, what what do we do with that? What is Jesus saying to us? Well, let's look earlier in our passage because earlier in our passage, we read how Jesus says that we have this eternal life that is bound up in him. Look at verse 35. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. Oh, I'm reading the the wrong one. Uh, Jesus said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So how do we partake of the bread? We believe. Verse 40. For this, um, he says, for this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes on him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. You see what he's saying? It's, we, here's the bread of life, and it is by believing that we receive the life bound up in Jesus Christ. How about when John gives his purpose statement at the end of his gospel? What does he say there? What do we do with Jesus? John says, he writes, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All right, so how, how do we receive the life bound up in Jesus? We believe. We believe. We receive the life offered in Christ in the gospel by believing. And what that means is this, is that we receive it, we receive the life bound up in Christ, not by anything that we do, but by what? But by faith, by trust. Just as we read in our, in, uh, from the Westminster Confession of Faith today, 
by resting in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation through faith. But Jesus says something else here. He says this, Our believing is the product of the Father's beckoning. Our believing is the product of the Father's beckoning. Look at verse 35. Just read verse He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever, believes, uh, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. What does the Bible teach us about it? That every one of us in our biography, it says we all share the same beginnings. We are all offspring of Adam. We are born into this world physically alive, but we are born dead in sin. So much so that the Bible says there is no one who seeks God, not even one. And that is descriptive of each one here in this room, of all those who have ever lived who are uh, descended from Adam in that way. Jesus makes it clear, though, that we come to him not only by the Father's invitation, but by the Father's initiation. Verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying that I am the bread of life. But he's saying this, that an appetite for me, an appetite where you find me savory, an appetite for me as the bread of life, comes only by my, the work of my Father through the Holy Spirit who has worked in your heart to regenerate you and give you those taste, those spiritual taste buds that you might taste and delight in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I came to Christ uh, in my senior year. Uh, I was a student at the University of Delaware. And I was raised in a religious home, but I rejected that. It was, it was uh, nonsense. What I was learning was ridiculous and irrelevant to anything in life. And then in October of my senior year, the things that I had heard for a good part of my life all of a sudden started making sense. And they became meaningful to me. And then they became necessary for me. And it's then that I went and committed my life to Jesus Christ. Now, why did I do that? 
It wasn't new information. Because I, I had heard dribs and drabs and you know, the gospel to a greater or smaller extent you know, for years. Why all of a sudden did I, was that meaningful and important to me? It wasn't new information. Here's what it was. It was the Holy Spirit at work in my life that where I was dead to sin, He made me alive that I might hear Jesus Christ and that offer of the gospel and by His grace come to Him and put my faith in Him. You see, the Father was not only inviting me, He was initiating His work of grace in my life through the Holy Spirit. Well, we've got this faith thing going on here, but what's all this talk about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood? Verse 53. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Right? To understand this, we need to recognize something. When Jesus describes himself as bread, it doesn't mean he's bread. When Jesus describes himself as a rock, it doesn't mean he's literally a rock. When he describes himself as a door, it doesn't mean that he's literally a door. These are metaphors. Metaphors are comparisons that help us to understand something. They are methods of communication. Jesus has described himself as the bread of life. So it's no surprise when he says that uh, the way that you partake of this bread, the way that you receive the life bound up in me is by feeding upon him. Jesus has explained, and we've seen it a number of times here, uh, that the life bound up in him is ours through believing. Feeding upon him is a way to express that believing. In fact, feeding is a very uh, intimate and personal expression of what it means to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered in the gospel. By faith... We share in fellowship with the Father and the Son. See what Jesus said in verse 57? As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And you speak, see that fellowship with the Father. And he says something else. He says, whoever feeds, verse 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. You know that abiding? I know the women are, of Metacroft are having a study in John's epistles on what it means to abide, and John talks about abiding in his gospel as well. And it is so important to the Christian life because what it speaks uh, is of this profound and ongoing union and communion with Jesus Christ. And abiding is essential. And this, this metaphor of feeding upon Christ 
as he is offered in the gospel is a way of conveying just how intimate and personal and necessary that is in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, it still begs the question, doesn't it? Why does Jesus speak of his flesh as true food and his blood as true drink? But he says in verse 55, well, he's emphasizing two things, two things that are very, very important. First is this, that he, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who is preexistent, uh, he always eternally existent, that he, the Son of God, took on true and full humanity. In other words, he became actual flesh and blood in every way like us, except without sin. It's a way of saying that he was a true flesh and blood person. He was a real person. It also says this, that this Jesus took on our humanity to carry out his redeeming work on the stage of redemptive history, on the stage of human history. Isn't that what we just celebrated at Christmas? Galatians 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem us who were under law, weighed down by that law, under the curse of that law, to be our substitute. And you see, that, that wasn't, that's not just figurative. It's certainly not fable. It's fact. And that's what John is communicating in saying that Jesus was a real person. And Jesus really came to this world so that when, as John records later in his gospel, Jesus on the cross cried out, it is finished. It meant that he had come and had accomplished our salvation. He accomplished the mission for which he came, and it really happened in time and space history. All right, let me wrap things up with a summary and two applications. First, a summary. What we've seen this morning are two threads woven together that run throughout our passage. And what are they? Identification. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the true bread. I am the living bread. I am the bread of God come for the life of the world. You're not going to find it anywhere else. This is what history has been awaiting for. This is the promise given. Secondly, is invitation. That's why Jesus says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, by faith in Christ, by partaking of him, the living bread, we have life, spiritual life, abundant life, eternal life. All right, two applications for the new year. You know, Jesus said uh, we're to pray for our daily bread, and that's important, reminds us that all that we have comes from God, and praise him for that. 
But I think we have another dimension to us here, and that is this. Make it your ambition as you pray for your daily bread that you come to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in the year to come. Purpose to know Jesus more intimately. So easy just to know about, but know Jesus. Love Jesus. Learn what it means to abide in Jesus. I mean, think about that. Jesus says you know, that uh, in another metaphor where, where he talks about himself as the, vine, as the vine and the branches, he says, you can't do anything unless you abide in me. What that means is this. We need to learn, we learn to abide in Christ. Make that your ambition for the new year. Secondly, the other application I'm going to mention comes from our reading from Deuteronomy. Verse 3 of Deuteronomy 8 said, And God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You ever think about that? Sometimes we don't like to think about that. God caused you to hunger and let you hunger? What kind of father does that? Well, it's for this reason, that he might feed you with the bread of life, that he might feed you with his word, that he might feed you with his daily grace, that we might, um, as he says, that we might not live by bread alone. James talks about it, doesn't he? When we look at trials, he says, consider it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Why will we have joy? But we know that our Father has provided and spread a feast for us in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, when you hunger, when you are weak and weary, when the trials of life weigh heavily upon you, Take note, see the hand of your heavenly Father at work, and hear his voice calling you to come to him and to find your strength and all you need in Jesus Christ, his Son. Tomorrow, we will step into 2024, but you know what? Our eternal God and Father is already there and will meet us to guide us and to provide for us day by day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word incarnate. We thank you for your word inscripturated, by which we can know you, know of your amazing love, know of your wisdom from above, to know, O oh Lord, that you are a God and that you are with us day by day. Praise be to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.